Good evening. It's th- it's 3 a.m. Maybe I should say it's morning. Good evening. Good morning. It's 3 a.m. It is Saturday slash Sunday, May the 25th slash 26th. This is show number 90. It's Memorial Day weekend coming to you live from Chicago. I am Gummo. Here we go. Welcome to the 91st show. I am your host, Gummo. This is the Hackers Podcast slash Transmit. This is our 91st uh, iteration of the show, and we are uh, on a mission to continue doing these. Uh, It's one of those things, you know, it's... Memorial Day weekend here in the United States, and it's really a big deal. It's sort of the unofficial official start of summer for anyone living in the United States. Not sure where else that sort of situation or scenario plays out on which day it falls. I'm sure there are many days in many countries that follow the norm. Oh boy! Wow. It well, I think summer may have arrived. I'm not sure. Just a few days ago here in Chicago, it was like 50 degrees, rainy. It looked like that London fog sort of thing. But uh, from all accounts and everything in between, it seems to be the better location than the southeast part of the United States this uh, period of time because they are under a tremendous heat wave down there. Spoke with some friends and family back in Florida. Hi, everyone. And uh, the temperature is brutal. 99 degrees today, 99 degrees tomorrow, and 101 or two. It's just insane. So instead of me complaining about the weather, I'm actually enjoying it and what a wonderful uh, series of weather events we've had here at least unfortunately there it hasn't been that way throughout the country lots of tornadoes lots of wild weather extremes flooding etc hopefully wherever you are the weather's treating you well and you are definitely smiling sitting back having something cool or lovely to drink You know, I don't drink soda. I Years ago, I drank much soda. I was one of the Gen Xers chugging 
Jolt Cola down back in the 90s and 80s. And so I gave up on soda many years ago, but Crash and I discovered a little bodega around the corner that has these Mexican Coca-Colas. They're, they're, so their Coca-Cola is shipped in from Mexico, and they're made with sugar and whatever. They're the little 12-ounce, what is it, the little... 12 ounce bottles and um so we're we're using that as a pick-me-up and it really takes me back to when i was a kid and we had coca-cola growing up in the south that's all you had was coca-cola you wouldn't dare ask for a pepsi growing up in the south when i was young Uh, so that's, it seems the official summer roundabouts have kicked off. They are in full swing. What a wild, wacky winter we had. I say that every year though. I I guess I do. (sighs) Boy, I tell you. And the, the, just wild, the, the wildness just all of the insane amounts of information that comes at you is um, and can be overwhelming it seems and sometimes it's it's intriguing to find out what others are doing what others are up to. Where is everybody at on the internet? If you're on the internet and you're not really sure where anybody is, you're not alone, really. Um, And in my never-ending quest to find out where people are on the internet, I discovered an app called TikTok. (laughs) And it's really... You know, uh, in previous shows, I spoke about really giving the axe to social media. And for the most part, I think I've been pretty responsible. I'll get on Twitter and say hello and post a thought or here or there, but nothing like I was. And, uh, you know, these social media apps, they are so addictive. They're, They're built. They are designed. Every pixel on the screen that you're looking at has been thoughtfully crafted for your attention to you to engage in. And so consider that. Uh, And discretionary, discretionary caution, of course. But I found this uh, interesting app called TikTok, and it was just such so interesting because any topic that you're really interested in is on this application and it's like um 15 second clips video clips of people doing well whatever you know from whatever topic that you choose to search for and it's interesting uh and it's (laughs) if you want to consume bandwidth without using your brain i suppose you can use this app and so it was an interesting take and it again it's a it's an application that was that was designed for your attention, for your eyeballs and your time. And you know, seeing these sort of seeing these sort of things are interesting, especially from my my vantage point. Watching technology sprout throughout the years, throughout the decades now. 
and the information that you're able to find in these applications is beyond staggering. Anyhow, last week, I hope you guys enjoyed last, uh, not last week's, but two weeks ago, I hope you enjoyed the uh, show number 90 where we talked about or where we actually brought you uh, some very rare audio of a telephone freak explaining really what the telephone lines do, what uh, the, the numeric commands, DTMF, uh, tone pulses, switches, um, and how, how the old school switches were a, uh, used from uh, a hacker's point of view or a telephone, I apologize, a, a, tele, a phone freak's point, a phone freak's point of view. And that's, that's kind of, uh, you know, like, so when I was a kid, you know, eight, nine years old, uh, those switches were still around, especially growing up in, in, uh, in Northeast Florida, where, where a long distance call was literally uh, 25 miles away. And so uh, that was fascinating to me. And th- those are the things that I was able to discover as a, as a really young kid around, by the time I say I was 10 or 11, I was, um, I was pretty, <laughs> I was pretty experienced with telephone freaking. And it was, in- it was an interesting time. Uh, party lines, um, dialing through um, local and international operators and understanding the jargon and how to speak like a uh, technician uh, or a lineman was pretty crucial in your ability to social engineer. To share some of that past experienced stuff with you guys. And I wanted to bring you another segment of that this evening and share that also with you. Uh, and, and just basically take a trip back through time and uh, get to experience what it was like with the old phone systems and how they were really used not for malicious intent, but just for simple discovery. Like, where did this, where does this connection go? And why is there someone answering a phone somewhere uh, in the middle of nowhere? Uh, for no reason, and so that was that was one of the curious things that I found when I was growing up uh, as a young telephone freak was I always liked to phone these weird numbers overseas, uh, and it was just so interesting uh, sometimes because you would discover a, a phone number that was like totally creepy, right? And they you would f- call up, and someone would just go hello. And then you would just like, you know, you're paused too. You're like, uh, and then, you know, you kind of write it down. And, uh, and then if you kept phoning it back, you know, it was the same thing. So it's like, you know, totally weird. But, um, so anyhow, I thought that was cool. And I'm, I'm going to bring that to you again this evening and I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, but first, uh, I wanted to just, you know, normally I talk about the news and try to get caught up with that. But since we have a limited time this evening, the only news thing that I wanted to really talk about was something that continues to be in the news. And I think I spoke about it in the news on the last show or so. And that's ransomware, I know. Uh, but <sighs> where do I begin? Uh, the, so the city of Baltimore, uh, whether you know it or not, uh, and if you've been listening to this show, you know, uh, the city of Baltimore is still crippled. I mean, the, the whole city is still crippled 
from an IT uh, information technology uh, perspective. So what happened? Um, so basically, uh, there the city, the the city of Baltimore, and all of their computers, and that means not when I say all of them, because really every department was affected. Uh, most of their computers were infected with uh, some malicious software that encrypted all of their files and then asked for a ransom in bitcoin now uh these are these were this is pretty much everything production servers testing servers workstations everything and from what uh, from what the grapevine tells me that even administrators were locked out as well and not only has that occurred but all of their backups were also infected and so initially the city when the city was initially infected they were given the option to pay a twenty thousand dollar bitcoin ransom to receive the unlock key so they can unlock all of their uh, systems uh, throughout the city and so the city leaders decided not to pay the ransom and tried to do recovery options from uh, an encrypted, infected standpoint. And so here we are a month later, and the city is still suffering from the ransomware. Nothing is working. Most departments are using everything by uh, are doing everything by hand, and that goes that goes for. Anything that a normal city or municipality would have to incur, like, you know, a marriage life, you know, everything, right? I'm not going to get into the specifics, but anything that it takes a city to function is being handled manually with papers and pencils and stuff like that effect. So you can imagine the frustration of not only city officials uh, and residents, but also people from uh, outside of the city trying to engage in business uh, with the city. And those uh, entities are not available. And so, I, and I'm, I'm not sure if I mentioned it before on any show, but it's, you know, you know, people ask me all the time, they're like, you know, hey, what would you do, you know, and they're speaking from curiosity standpoint, of course, and they're like, hey, you know, what would you do if you or your company was infected with ransomware? Well, you know, sadly, I would say uh, the wisest thing to do would be to pay the ransom and then do a recovery, uh, an image of your entire scope an image of your all of your systems uh, place that image of every system and workstation that you have uh, offline and begin to scrub the data offline uh, and then I would begin to work on a solution uh, while the computers are uninfected and look for what actually caused that that would be more easier to do and more efficient than restoring from backups that are most likely encrypted and infected as well and having a complete chaos and utter loss of um, everything, such as what the city of Baltimore is actually experiencing. And so it's it's really, what would I do? Uh, you know, it, you should have a budget set aside to pay a ransom uh, if you are a business owner. 
I hate to say that, but that's that's really the case because unless you have uh, a mathematician and a cryptologist on your staff within your organization, along with a leading cybersecurity expert, uh, I think that would be your option. And if you are being told not to pay a ransom or you are believed or being uh, advised never to pay a, a ransom, uh, you are being ill-advised. Uh, and again, unless you have those types of resources, yes, you're being extremely ill-advised. And so you can, you can clean up from a ransomware attack. That's not the problem. The, the problem is recovering from the initial attack and continuing on with business while you recover. And I would choose the easier option, of course. That would be the easier option. That way your business doesn't suffer. Uh, and the city of Baltimore uh, is not the only leading shining example of that. Atlanta chose not to pay a $40,000 ransom a year or so ago. And they spent millions and millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars recovering from that. And these tools aren't uh, just created in someone's basement either. These... These two high-profile attacks, of course, came from the release from the Shadow Brokers back in 2017 of some of the stolen NSA uh, combat wear that was released uh, without, uh, well, just do your homework on that. So uh, that's, that's why these, these types of ransomware attacks are becoming more and more uh, harder to find and yes you know technically speaking yeah you may have patched your smb for this or that or the other but all it takes is one unpatched machine right to become affected and then the malicious actors begin to laterally move within a network or organization and that's how it happens so you know being uh, <laughs> being compliant does not mean being protected just because you're compliant no, it doesn't mean you're, be, you're, you're completely solid and protected. And uh, unless you have some talented resources on staff, uh, you should absolutely consider paying the ransomware or ransom for the ransomware. And it's not—it's no joke, right? Because if it's if it's a multi-billion-dollar or multi-million-dollar business, or even a business that does a few thousand dollars a day. That has serious consequences, not only for you as the owner or the proprietor or uh, the customer, but it also has a negative impact on your long-lasting image. Like, you know, you probably once had a customer that did business with you, but then, oh, you know, so-and-so had a ransomware attack and, uh, you know, and then later down the line, someone's going, oh, well, you know, they got hit by a ransomware attack and yada, yada. And so if you, if you get through the attack as you think you should, not as you're being ill-advised to, I think uh, you should be able to recover effortlessly. And I, so that's my... <laughs> That's my long-winded answer to how you should recover from a ransomware attack. And listen, I know people will disagree with me. Trust me, I know they will. It's it, you know, and that's cool. But that's how I would recover from a ransomware attack. I mean, so like let's say I'm at company A and you are at company B and I am the person that's going to pay the ransomware or the ransom, 
and you are going to be the person that doesn't pay the ransom. Okay, so on a Monday, I come in to my office and all of my screens are X'd out. On a Monday, you come into your office and the screens are all X'd out. I immediately am going to make that call on to pay the ransom while you begin the process of searching for the proper administrators to find out what's going on uh, what and all the, the entire process. And there are many processes in uh, recovering from a ransomware attack where you do not pay the ransom. Meanwhile, it's 10 a.m. I'm having a coffee and a latte getting my Bitcoin from my uh, source or broker or exchange or wherever I would get my Bitcoin from. It's 10 a.m. over by you. You're having pretty much a bad morning. It's now 11 a.m. I got my Bitcoin back. It's all deposited. I got my Bitcoin deposited. It's uploaded. It's yada yada. It's it's there. I've paid the the ransom to the hackers, and it's uh, you know I'm going to go have lunch. I'm going to keep my phone on though, of course, because I want to be reachable. But hey, I have an appetite. You, however, are going to be still trying to get in touch with your IT organization and to see exactly what's going on. Meanwhile, I'm going to come back from lunch, and I'm going to have my ransomware decryption key. In my inbox, you, however, are going to continue on with a very bad day, and you know how that story goes. I am going to send that key to every department that has their computers locked so everyone can unlock their computers, and then I'll continue on with the uh, cleanup mode after everyone's back to productivity. And we don't know at that point how it's going for you, but so that's, that's, a, that's, that's sort of like a uh, candle... <laughs> That's a demonstration of how bad it can get, and it just gets worse. And so, that's that's that. Anyhow, let's get on with the show. Uh, I want to go ahead and share, take a t- uh, walk back in time, uh, and talk about this whole telephone. Uh, not talk about it, but let you listen in on some old school telephone freaks. And I'll be back after the show to wrap the show up. And I hope you enjoyed this uh, segment from sometime back in the 1970s on telephone freaks and, you know, the things they did. Uh, Part two coming up, and I hope you enjoy it. Talk to you in a few. Having disposed of the frivolities, I should like to formally welcome you to this tape. It is offered as a representative collection of most, if not nearly all, the tones and announcements you may encounter when using the telephone in Britain, and I humbly apologise now for any errors or omissions. Equally, you must forgive the poor quality of some of the recordings. This is mainly due to exigencies of recording in the field, and partly due to the large amount of induced hum present on the line where most of the recordings were made. Thanks must be now given to British Railways and the Post Office, without whose unwitting cooperation this tape could never else have been made. And finally, before we go into the tape, let me just remind you that it is not copyright. The proposal is that the first half of the tape should deal with ordinary terms commonly heard by the subscribers, such as dial tone, ringing tone, busy tone, and so on, then with a few terms not so commonly heard by the subscriber, and various engineering and other test facilities. The second half will deal with recorded announcements and various miscellaneous signals such as telemetry. Following all this, there will be a short mention of tones used on private automatic exchanges. Now, if we go into the tones, 
We should first note that there are three methods of commonly producing tones used in this country. By far, far the most normal is the ring machine, which with some detailed differences is used in most types of exchange. In the very recent electronic exchanges, transistorized tone generators are sometimes used, in the older small rural exchanges and a wide variety of PAXs, that is private automatic exchanges with no connection to the outside system, vibrator relays produce the tones which are timed by a chain of three interacting relays. We will now proceed with our investigations of the tones proper and start with dial tone. This is a continuous tone informing the caller he may now dial and it has been the standard practice to provide this tone since early times. Late as the 1920s, however, there was a school of thought that all tones were confusing to the caller and that they should be dispensed with wherever possible. Thus, in the case of the all-relay exchanges and the Siemens Brothers VAX, Village Automatic Exchange, which was adopted as the post office UAX number 5, UAX being Unit Automatic Exchange, no dial tone was returned since sufficient connecting circuits were provided to ensure no delay in finding a line. As a no tone does not make a very interesting recording, we'll press on to the sound of a vibrator tone that is provided, produced by the relays. It generally has a very distinct clicking or rattling sound. A selection of the machine-produced dial tones now follows. On the older machines, the frequency was specified at 33 Hz. On the more recent ones, 50 Hz. The difference is, however, slight. for the background noises on some of those, but that was unavailable. Next we have a transistorized dial tone as used on the Ericsson Mini-Racks Rural Automatic Exchange as supplied to British Railways. There's rather a lot of unavoidable line noise on this recording that was induced from the traction power cables between London and Southampton. And following that, and to close this section, here's the very characteristic dial tone used on small PABXs connected to the system of the London Transport Executive. The tone is produced by a standard domestic doorbell chime. The exchange system of London Transport is also worthy of mention at this stage. It's a very large PAX system consisting of several interlinked exchanges extending over a distance of about 50 miles from end to end of the system. All work on a link numbering system and the dials are all director dials with three letter codes for various services. Thank you. 
people in London still are instructed to dial letters for their calls. We now move on to ringing tone, and in this description we must not forget the manual exchanges, since these also have to return ringing tone when they are reached over lines from automatic exchanges. As in other countries, ringing tone in Britain was originally a single burst of tone and ringing repeated periodically, but experience showed that a double burst of ringing sounded more urgent and secured a quicker reply from the called subscriber. The single burst was, however, easier to produce when relays were used to save the cost of a ringing machine. It has therefore survived on small exchanges. Examples follow of the post office UAX5 and a 200-line PAX, both of these tones being vibrator-produced, and also the ringing tone on a large railway PAX using 50 hertz mains hum but timed by interacting relays. Two recordings for the UAX-5. Passing on to the conventional double-beat ringing tone, we can again differentiate between vibrator, machine and electronically produced tones. When you're using vibrator ringing tones, on most exchanges, a buzzer relay tuned to around 133 Hz is used, and here are three examples. Post Office UAX-12, a manual exchange, and another pack. have noticed in the first example that one of the problems with these vibrating relays is that they very easily get out of adjustment and the resulting tones can be quite ghastly. On very small exchanges, to save the cost of a separate ringing tone vibrator, interrupted dial tone is used. This is the practice on the post office PABX1 and the following example which is a railway PABX at Bath. I answered too quickly there. When we come to examine machine ringing, we find a very wide range of examples, and a practice ear can often determine the type of exchange equipment and even the actual exchange from the tone. The first generation of ringing motors produced a constant nominal 133 Hz, and these have a very distinctive sound. These examples are of machines from a manual exchange, a railway PABX, and a UAX7. In the last case, this type of machine seems to be only a fitter to the UX7, and therefore it's very characteristic.
Lithium. On the more modern machines, the 400 Hz continuous output is taken and modulated by the ringing current frequency, giving a warbling effect. Once again, various manufacturers of machines can be picked out, although, of course, the machine may have been a replacement in some cases. It's not so useful for identifying the exchange equipment. The first one here is a Siemens Brothers. The second is a recent Ericsson. The others aren't picked out individually here. is a ringing sequence of crossbar exchanges. When the number has been dialed, there's an immediate burst of ringing, followed by ringing in the conventional cadence. The absence of waiting for the first ring tends to reassure the subscriber, and has in fact been standard practice in Germany since the 1920s. It's a very welcome innovation here as well. Occasionally, various unwanted noises tend to filter into the ring supply, as in the next two examples. In the first case, Waterloo 928 exchange, the ring is feeding back into the machine, and in the second, which is Cambridge Special Fault, the buzzer tone operated by ringing this number appears to be feeding back down the line. Special oddity is the ringing tone on the fault reporting number at national and monarch exchanges. It is very high pitched. Unfortunately, it had to be taped in rather a noisy place.
finally, here's an example of a transistorized ringing tone. Background noise is induction noise and is not part of the demonstration. Turning now to busy tone, we do not find so much variation. When it's produced by vibrators, it seldom sounds very healthy. As we've already mentioned, these often seem to go out of adjustment. Here are a couple of examples. sounds different, although it is the same nominal 400 hertz. The precise frequency and timing vary, but the tone is always recognizable. However, it does tend to be somewhat indistinct. Similar to busy tone, but of distinct significance, is the equipment engaged tone. It is a relatively modern introduction. tone apply also to the number and unobtainable tone. We start with a vibrator tone and following this pass to the machine produced tone. The first is the distinctive type returned by the UAX7 exchange. of the more normal machine-produced tone. superimposed busy tone is distinctive to Birmingham at a couple of exchanges there. When you hear this, you know you've reached Birmingham. The tone that follows is not a special tone, but in fact just an ordinary sad ringing machine running unevenly. 
Following that, the sound of a transistorized NUT, rather faint, I'm afraid. Paytone. As all British telephone users will know, Paytone is returned to a coin box user when the called number answers. It is also another modern introduction, came in with the pay on answer box. It is usually 400 hertz, as in this example, but occasionally modulated similar to the ringing tone. It is returned both to the caller and to the called subscriber when he answers. close again and the pits change to a continuous NU tone if you have not inserted a coin. The final tone, final tone likely to be heard by most ordinary telephone users in this country is intrusion tone which is used on PABXs when the operator wishes to break into an existing conversation and offer another. It is commonly a ticking sound and exceptionally a 400 hertz pip pip repeated periodically. example, there seem to be more main sound than tick, but never mind. Another major class of tones are the fault test signals. On many exchanges, an engineer can dial a particular number, and if no fault conditions exist, a distinctive tone, usually inverted ringing tone, is returned. Here are four examples. A UAX5, a UAX7, a UAX12 with a vibrator ringing, and a UAX13. Following that, there's a non-standard tone as returned on a PABX4. identification tone. It is put on a line at the exchange and enables the engineer in the field to identify the required cable pair. 
Following this is a special high-pitched test tone found on incoming level 076 at several exchanges. Another important test facility is the SALT machine, the letters S-A-L-T standing for Subscribers, Apparatus and Line Tester. The machines and procedure for use vary very slightly. This is the drill in the London Director area. From any telephone one dials 175 until recently AUT and the last four digits of the subscriber's number. After a while one either hears... Or Or more satisfyingly Start test Start test Start test Start test Start test If you're lucky enough to get start test you hang up and wait to be rung back. When you do get rung back, you wait two rings, pick up the receiver, a special dial tone is now returned, and the test number 1305 is dialed. After the 1, 3 and 0, oh, the dial tone returns if the dial is in order, otherwise one can get... 40 dial the machine releases, or one of the following two. If all has been well up to now, the final verdict is heard after dialing the figure 5. It will be one of the following. interruptions and general line noise courtesy of London's telephone service. There are also one or two special STD test numbers. Um, these give, or used to give, the following announcements. STD test. STD test. STD 
test. And there you are. And so here in this part one, see you on the other side. So that was that, right? So that was a nice little trip back in time, and I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, and I hope you, uh, I, you know, I hope you really took away something from my previous rant on the whole ransomware thing because it really is something that's not going to go. It's ne- it's not going to go away. It's <laughs> there's billions of dollars being generated by that whole thing, and so yeah, I- I'll lay off that for now. But uh, that was a trip back in time. I hope you enjoyed the the. Uh, the old school telephone freaking thing that we ran and also uh, remember that there are it's summertime there are a lot of events coming up be sure to check our webpage for the latest event in your area you can go to hackers.xxx forward slash events dot html and check that out and also and check out the rest of the shows if you want why i don't know you would want to but you can anyhow and also uh what was i going to say oh uh there is a conference down in indianapolis uh you know sorry uh i try to get in touch with them i don't know i don't anyhow we were going to try to get down there next weekend but i've got a lot of things going on here and i'm uh just not i just don't have the time to uh right now for it so uh i have to check everybody out when we uh go to defcon later in the year uh until then i know right get out of here go jump in the pool go do something want to say hi to all my friends and family back home I want to say hi to all my friends here in Chicago and all my friends uh, everywhere around the world, uh, and including you, checking us out. You know, uh, wanted to say, uh, spend, send a special shout out to our, our friends out in Los Angeles for all of the help that they do on the back end, keeping it really 100 with the technical stuff. I really enjoy that. Thank you so much. Your help is really appreciated. Uh, and to everybody here in the Windy City helping out, doing everything getting the word out doing our thing Uh, a lot of things coming up here in the city as well so if you get a chance get up here to chicago the heat's not that bad and there's a lot to do right there's great food it's great atmosphere and there are a ton of things to do here in the city during the summer it's just the winter time you don't want to be hanging out get up here to chicago come visit us We'll go grab a bite, burger, whatever, uh, and uh, just try to enjoy what you can for the rest of the Memorial Day weekend here in the States. Wherever you are, thank you for tuning into the show. I really appreciate it. We all really appreciate it. And until show number 92, take care of yourself. I love you all. And, uh, you know, remember, with all of the stuff going on with the, the, the politics and all that, it's, you know, really, don't take it so seriously. It's real. It's really, don't take it so seriously. Think about that. Think about that. Think about that for a minute. Until then, take care of yourself. I love you all. Thank you for tuning in. And remember, everybody everybody does want to rule the world, but no one really can. Until then, take care of yourself. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Welcome to your life There's no time